Hello, and welcome to Your Sparkly Brand. We're here to inspire and empower entrepreneurs just like you. This podcast is all about delivering no-fluff, high-value content that helps you to grow your business. Doesn't matter if you have no budget and you're still DIYing everything on your own, we're giving you the tips, tools, and strategies you need to build a sparkly empire. I'm Megan Gersh, your branding and website designer, and I'm here with my co-host, the copywriting queen, Lauren Tassie. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Hi, Megan. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So what was your sparkly moment this week? I launched a new website, my own. Yay! <laughs> so that's super exciting. It feels really good to like be like kind of like refreshed in my business. And it's just like kind of that new kind of face that you put to your business. And so I'm just really excited about it. And yeah, definitely making me feel a little sparkly. What about you? Well, yeah. And I want to say about your website too. I Before I would have been like, oh, it's like the most colorful website ever, but somehow it got more colorful, which yeah. I love. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. So mine is that I, I upgraded a lot of tools and like software and stuff in my business over the past month or two. And I actually dedicated a bunch of time to moving my lead magnets and my email list over. So it just feels really good to, I was on MailChimp, but now I'm using ActiveCampaign and ClickFunnels for that. So it's just like much better systems and tools and like tracking and all of that. So I'm excited to have that be implemented now that I've dedicated a chunk of time to it. Awesome. Very cool. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. And we have an episode coming up in a few weeks about like the different tools and stuff we use. So I'll, we can get deeper into that when it's time. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the, today's episode. And we're doing another Q&A one. We love these because we can just kind of like, they don't have, it doesn't have to be coherent. We can just sort of answer questions and throw, throw our opinions out there. And this one's all about what might be holding holding you back from growing your business. And basically ever since I really started my business and putting myself out there, I've gotten tons of questions about very specific things and they come up over and over again. And so this is just sort of, we want to put them all in one place. And like, if there's anyone out there that's sort of like, eh, what about this? Here's like us addressing how we did it, how we've seen other people do it and just the stuff that you shouldn't let hold you back. And you want to obviously put a little disclaimer on here because we're going to be talking about like taxes and contracts and all that stuff. We're not lawyers. We're not accountants. You definitely want to hire a professional, especially somebody who's in your state, who knows what they're doing, but we're just going to share our experience. Take it for what it is. So let's get into the questions. The first one is how did you get your first clients or customers? So I can say that I, when I, especially when I was first starting, I was trying every marketing method under the sun just to see like what would stick for me. When it came to my first clients, it was from cold email because I was doing a lot of cold email at that point. And I was honestly doing like a lot of like what I would consider to be kind of like grassroots marketing, you know, going out and networking with people in, in real life and like leaving my business business card around, like meeting as many people as I could and that kind of thing. But I think that some of my first clients did come from cold email. What about you? Yeah. So I was thinking about this. Mine is Upwork. And we did a whole episode. We'll link to it about like how to get started on Upwork. But it was just because it's just like a place where there's all these people that need help. But I was able to, you know, land those jobs. And that felt really good. And that was for my, obviously for copywriting for service-based business. I also, as you know, had that handmade clothing business. I sort of feel like some of the, the answers I want to give for that too. And that one just came from friends and family, right? That like, if you're in the product-based business and you're sort of hand-making things, that's probably how you're going to start is people are going to be like, can I get one of those? Can I buy one of those? And then somebody else is like, wait, where do I get one of those? So it might be your friends and family, even if you're not realizing it, that they become your first clients and customers, but it's a great place to sort of pick up that confidence. Yeah. That can also be kind of a slippery slope though. So you do have to be careful with that just because like working with friends and family can 
sometimes get a little tricky because emotions get involved and like, you know, you have an existing relationship and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things. Yeah. I, I would say, especially if you're doing a service for them, like maybe periphery, like don't write a website for your mom, bad idea. But like, you know, a friend of a friend is always a great place to start just because there's, you know, that mutual connection. Absolutely. So our next question is any tips for juggling a full-time job while building my business on the side? Oh, I love this question. Yeah. All about like prioritizing your time. And we did, we did an episode with a time management coach way back with Roz Crum. We can link to that, but it's really just, you know, whatever time you have sitting down and blocking that out and spending, if it's two hours a week and that's all you got, just dig in for two hours and really dedicate it to the things that are going to move your business forward versus like maybe the things you might be stalling on a little bit. Yeah. What about, what would you say to that? I would say at least for me, like one of the most important things was getting really clear on my why. So like, I really wanted more time freedom and kind of like ability to travel and stuff like that. And because of that, I found myself finding different pockets in my day. Like I look back on like the last like year or so that I was at my nine to five job and I was on every single lunch break. I was going to the, like the close, like the nearby park to like consume a course that I had enrolled in. Like, it was like one of those things where I just like, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I just had to find time to make it work. And so, yeah, that's what I would suggest getting really, really clear on like why you want to do it. Yeah. That gives you the motivation to wake up early or to work through lunch or do that that thing that gets you out of your job. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So our next question is what are some of your favorite books or podcasts for starting a business? Ooh, so one that's really been helping me lately has been promote yourself to CEO. This might not be the best for like beginner business owners, but it's definitely super inspiring. Rachel has a lot of folks on the show that like have done so many really cool things in their business. And there's so many cool ideas and, you know, things that they talk about on that podcast. So that's definitely one. I would recommend. Awesome. I actually have some books that I wanted to recommend this first one. And they're like, I feel like there's this line between personal development and like business that kind of sometimes gets fuzzy. But so this one is my mentor gave to me when I started my copywriting business, it's called the slate edge. And it's all about like compounding action, right? Like if you take like, if you spend five minutes a day building your business over time, you're going to, you're going to see huge results because you consistently do it. I highly recommend this for like business and personal. And then another one I wanted to recommend was the big leap, which is all about like, I think it's actually written for like executives, but it's all about like not let not when you hit your goals, not like upper limiting and like preventing yourself from continuing to reach new goals. And then another one that's great, especially if you're like side hustling or, you know, juggling time, it's called We Should All Be Millionaires. And I think it's Rachel Rogers is her name. I don't know if you've read that, but it's just like the way she writes, it's like so inspiring. And she's literally like, if you can find, you know, she's like hire a housekeeper to, so you can build your business. It's just full of like solutions and actual things to do versus like big concepts. I think that, that exactly what you just mentioned is so important to realize. Like you don't always have to focus on like the things inside of your business. Like sometimes the things outside of your business can be the things that generate that time and like that freedom for you to like ha have the ability to even build something. So like, you know, it's one of those things where you have to look at your entire life as a whole and not just like kind of just, just at the business itself. Okay. So the next question is as a business owner slash independent contractor, are you 
responsible for paying your own taxes versus an employee who already has them deducted from their checks? How do you handle this? And who do you trust for sound advice about this? So this is absolutely when you want to talk to a tax professional, certified public accountant. There's definitely somebody in your network who has a business and uses a tax person. It's not that expensive. You then also have somebody you can like email throughout the year to be like, hey, what do I do about this? I do that. It's totally worth it. My here's sort of how to get started and not let that get you hung up if you're not ready to do that. You are responsible for your own taxes as a business owner or an independent contractor. What I do, I have a business bank account. All my business money goes into my business bank account. It's just smart. It's free. Go to your bank. They'll You can easily find a free business banking account. It's really the best way to keep things from getting messy with your finances. So all that money goes there. And when it's time to pay myself, I pay myself. And then I take their 25 or 30%. We live in California, so everything's taxes are more expensive here. And I put it in another savings account that I call my tax savings account. So what I do, there's probably better ways to do it. That's just my like, you can start this today as soon as you open that business to checking account. Do you have any further advice on that? I straight up go to H&R Block. So I mean, I pay the extra fee or whatever. Like, I think they even have like an add-on charge where it's like, if you want us to talk to the IRS, like here's like a little extra fee you can pay. And we're like, yep, absolutely. So I let them handle everything. It's great. All right. So our next question is how do you deal with the income roller coaster of having your own business? This is where mindset comes in a lot. And this is something that I definitely struggled with in the beginning of my business. I remember going on walks with my husband, Jerry, being like, I don't know if this is working. Like, I feel like I'm doing everything and like nothing is working. And it's definitely such a real thing for, especially for new business owners. So getting into a good practice of what self-care looks like for you is going to be so, so helpful. Figuring out, you know, do you like to meditate? Do you like to go on walks? Like, how are you going to relieve some of that stress? Because there is like a, a mental and almost like adding that physical component as well, like helps to kind of like ease your mind throughout the day. And you, you find yourself thinking more clearly. The other thing that I would say is to before you jump ship at your job, have a little cushion in place. So like, you know, if if you don't get work for like the first three months that you are, you know, doing your own business, you know, have that cushion so that you can pay your bills, you can pay your rent, that you're not going to be like super worried about like where that cash is coming from. I don't know. What else would you say for the income roller coaster? Yeah, no, those, those were the two ideas I had. I think it's just a matter of, you know, I think having the separate bank account will help too, because then you can sort of see coming down the pipeline okay, things are getting slow. What are we going to do? Do we need to pull from savings? Do we need to, what do we need to hustle to get some clients in this month? Just to at least give you a little bit of a, some breathing room by being able to pay yourself. And once the business account starts to go down, you go, you know, okay, we're, we got to get things moving. Yeah. I just thought of one other thing too, in that, like, especially in the beginning of your business, like you're going to be testing a lot of different offers to see like what takes off and like what people actually want. But just don't get discouraged by that just because like you're going to be testing a lot of things to see like, okay, like who's going to bite on what offer, right? Like, so, you know, it might not be, you might not wind up with the offer that you thought you were going to in the beginning. Like it just takes testing, especially with like your target market and like figuring out who you want to work with and all of that. And so, you know, you might find something where you put together an offer and it sells like hotcakes and, you know, maybe you really lean into that because you see that that's like a money making 
source. And if it feels good for you energetically, if it feels good, you know, like time-wise as a business owner, if it's sustainable, I would say kind of like lean into that more. But yeah, that's the only other tip I would give. Okay, so next question. Do I need to form an LLC right away? You don't. No, I only just formed my LLC a week ago. If in California, it's more expensive, you have to pay like an $800 a year tax. In other states, if you don't live in California, you might want to do it sooner because that's le there's less of a barrier to entry, but you don't, you can work as a sole proprietor. You can work. There's all sorts of ways to do it. Again, talk to your tax person. They're going to give you the best advice on that. Absolutely. All right. So our next question is, is Etsy a good place to start selling my jewelry? I would say it's a good place to start. I, I kind of look at Etsy as kind of like a starter platform in general. Eventually you want to work up to having your own website just because, you know, with your own website, you're going to be paying less fees. Also, your products are not right alongside your competitors' products. There's more opportunity to brand your business. But if you're just trying to get up and running quickly, I would say Etsy is a good place to start just because you basically just plug in your information, you plug in your photos, and then you're kind of off to the races. I think it's a good like starting platform. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And when I was selling clothes, that's where I started as well. And then got my own Shopify site. I think you can learn a lot there too. And and they take some some of this these friction items that we're talking about, they take it off the table. I think they now collect sales tax for everywhere in the US. They weren't doing that when I was on there, but I think they are now. So they really sort of these things that feel overwhelming, they can take a lot of that away. Obviously, you're paying more in fees. But when you're getting started learning and also seeing is if there's a market out there for your jewelry or whatever your products are is important for sure. Okay, so moving on, how do you get health insurance? Is it any good? This is this is my question. I get this all the time. And I am I'm qualified to answer this question. I'm self employed. My husband is also self employed. So we are in this world of we use our state marketplace, right? It's called here in California, it's called Covered California. If you Google like whatever your state is, health insurance marketplace, you'll find your website for that. And it's just, you literally go shopping on the website for different health plans. And there's all sorts of different health plans. There's HMOs, there's PPOs, there's $100 a month plans, there's probably $1,000 a month plans. You There's a whole range and you can find whatever's right for you and your family. And you can get your whole family covered through that, not just you yourself, if you know everyone's self-employed. So I am actually on my husband, Jerry's insurance. So luckily, you know, he has a, a regular nine to five and I was able to kind of get onto his. So that's another way if you have a spouse or a partner that you're able to get on their insurance, that is another option for you. What systems do I need to be setting up when first starting? I think this really depends on what type of business you have. I would say at the bare minimum, you need some kind of accounting software. I use FreshBooks. I know that you did too in the beginning of your business. And I think you said you switched over now to QuickBooks, right? I just, yeah, part of the new software. I'm on QuickBooks now. Would you recommend that for starter? businesses or no, no. Well, you know what they have? I'm on, I'm not on like the start. They have like a QuickBooks self-employed or something that is much simpler. It's probably worth checking out. There's another one too, that I've used. That's actually free. It's called wave apps. It's not as like user-friendly. I would recommend FreshBooks for a starter just because it's the easiest to understand. I've tried a lot of them, but wave apps is a free version. If you want to check that one out as well. Yeah. So I would say something for accounting just to keep all of that straight. Cause it's so, so helpful when it comes to tax time. The other thing that I would say, especially if you're like a coach or something like that, like getting a scheduler in place, like Calendly or Stan or any one of these types of schedulers where people can essentially look at your calendar and then book in time with you and everything is automated. You can take payments through it. Like it just makes it super, super easy. So if you're, even if you're just doing like discovery calls, like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like chat with client before clients, before you like get on to you know, working on an actual project, like you can use it for that as well. 
What else? What other systems? I'm trying to think. I feel like you just start putting things in place as things come up and it is different for every business. You know, if you have a product-based business, you probably like expense tracking and like cost of goods and that sort of stuff is going to be much more important. You could just make it into a spreadsheet if you're, if, if your eyes are good with that and you like a spreadsheet. One of the things that also made it simple for me in the beginning was I a credit card, like just a personal credit card. I wasn't, it wasn't a business credit card yet because I didn't really have a business and I just kept it all on one credit card. So it was like it's statements I had, it was easier to keep track of that way. One other thing that I just thought of too, that really helped me in the beginning of my business is getting a very bare bones idea of like what your boundaries are going to be with clients. We did a whole episode on this. We can link to it in the show notes, but thinking about like, even if you've worked on like a freelance project before, like thinking about like, okay, what part of this went well? What part of it didn't go well? How do I want to communicate with clients? You know, whether that be through email or through phone calls or texting or like however you prefer and setting up some of those kind of guidelines for clients to follow just because that's, and I mean, this is one of those things too, where that is definitely going to evolve over time. And like, you're not going to have everything perfect for even the first, like, I would say the first like 10 clients that you have, it's just not going to be perfect, but it just start to get like a foundation in place for like what you want out of your business business because that's going to help to guide you. All right. So the next question is, I have heard that I need to get a contract in place before starting work. What kinds of things do I need to include? So get a number one piece of advice, ask a lawyer for help, or there's plenty of places you can buy contract templates online that were prepared by lawyers, maybe lawyers in your state. This is, this is something worth investing in right at the beginning because then you have it too. There are places you can get free templates. I, the one, I don't know if it's, it's probably called something else now, but there was one that I used when I started. It was called like, Anne co or something. I'm not sure if it's still there. That's important. If you're starting on Upwork, you don't actually need a contract. It's all built in there. So that can be a good place to start if you're a little bit afraid of, you know, figuring out the contracts and all that. What Do you have any advice on that one, Meg? Yeah, definitely. Well, from a design perspective, I can tell you what's in mine. You know, definitely get the scope of work in there. So that includes like what you'll actually be doing for the client, the timeline for the project, the pricing, any boundaries that you have in place, as well as like how you'll be communicating throughout the project, as well as any legal information that needs to be in there and make sure that they sign the contract before you actually go through with it, <laughs> before you do any work. Great advice. Yeah. I would even say also get payment before you start work, but yeah. Yeah. Let's actually, I think we should touch on that because I think that's a really important thing that a lot of freelancers or people just starting out don't do is at least 50%. I wouldn't start working with somebody until that money is on the way. I've just seen so many people get burned. Knock on wood have never been burned. I've always been paid. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it's stressing me out, but maybe because I've always had that policy in place because my mentors have always told me to do that. I've never been burned. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. And that leads us into our next question question, which is what's the best way to accept payments? So when you're starting out, you can use PayPal. You can, you know, if you're just getting started, don't let it hold you back. Again, if you're on Upwork, if you're on Etsy, those platforms have that stuff built in, which is why you're paying more to be on them, but they make things simpler. From there, you're going to want like a payment processor, right? I think I, I use Stripe. There's also Square. I think you can use PayPal. There's all sorts of them, but once you get sort of going more, you're going to be better off using like a real payment processor. Yeah. It's going to depend on 
what type of work you do, what type of clients you're working with. Also, like I have some clients that prefer to do direct deposit. So like ACH payments. So that's obviously something that you have to set up with that specific client. But yeah, in general, I use Stripe through FreshBooks and it works great. I love it. Yeah. The easier you can make it for people to pay you, the more clients and customers you're going to have. So that's why you have to use PayPal to start, do it. Don't let it hold you back, but it's not the easiest for someone who's hiring you to use. Yeah. The last thing that I will say with that is avoid like Venmo and like cash app and stuff like that. Like it just, it doesn't look professional. It feels like you're just starting and like, you don't know what you're doing and just, just invest in like a, in a proper payment processor. And it just, that's the kind of thing that puts a, a better taste in the client's mouth too. You know, like it's just, it just looks more professional. Do you have any tips on finding a mentor? I love this question. It's so important to find and connect with somebody that you align with like their values. So if you see like there's tons of, even if you click on anything that is related to freelancing, you will start to get ads for these mentors for the rest of your life. So just make sure that when you're looking at these particular individuals that you connect with them on like a values level that, you know, there's so many people out there that use kind of like scammy tactics and kind of like get rich quick kind of BS, quite frankly, but like, I don't know, you just have to make sure that you find somebody that you really connect with what they're saying, that you align with their methods and that they can show results of like people that they've worked with and results that they've gotten for their clients. Yeah. I think it's like a gut thing. Like you really just sort of have to trust your instincts on that. And then the other thing I will say is don't be afraid to reach out to people who might not be like selling mentorship. If there's somebody who's in your industry that you're like, has a business that you want and a lifestyle that you admire, like send them an email and like make it compelling about why you want to be a part of their life and what, how you can help them. Because I I think that's like, sometimes we gloss over that because we get so many ads for paid mentorship. I think you just touched on a really important point too about like buying from people that actually have the life that you want, like so, so important. Like if people can't prove to you, like, again, like going back to the results thing, like people can't like show you the results that they've gotten or they haven't lived it themselves. Then like, how are they going to teach somebody else? All right. So, Ooh, this is good. This is kind of like what we ask our guests. What's one thing you wish you could go back and do differently. If you were starting from scratch, I wish that I would have gone all in on social media sooner. I think when I was first starting out, like even though I came from like a marketing background, like I had pretty small accounts at the time. And it was one of those things where it was just felt so hard to get traction that yes, I was posting here and there. And I was kind of like kind of flailing a little bit on social media, but like, I wish I would have really taken it seriously a lot sooner because now it's one of my client drivers for my business. But you know, it's like one of those things where hindsight is 2020. Yeah. I think for me, it's like a combination of hiring people sooner and also like having the confidence to be an agency and to not be afraid of like owning the fact I have a team and that like, cause there was like years where I thought I had to do it all myself and people only want me to do it. And that's just not true. And it's my business and I get to run it how I want. So I wish it hadn't taken me so long to get to that point because it was such a struggle in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I remember us talking about that and it's, it's such a mindset thing too. Like, especially like switching over to an agency is like such a big shift. And it's just like, now I'm just like, especially as I'm like, you know, building more assets and like starting to run ads and that kind of thing. I'm just like, oh yeah, I use the word we, I use my team. It's not, you know, it's not me doing everything. And that's a good thing. That means there's more brains involved to make your, your business do better. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that is all of the questions that we've got for you today. So if you've got a question that you want answered on 
on our next Q&A episode, send us a DM on social media or email yoursparklybrand at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay sparkly.